This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to my favorite murder, the mini sode. It's so cute and mini. And it's filled with your emails, which you love. Your stories straight to your face. Do you want to go first? Sure. This one is called Deathbed Confession, Treasure and Grandparents with Their Names. Yes, yes, yes. yes. This is a solid one. Sending this again via forward, because when y'all said you didn't get enough deathbed confession emails, I just about screamed. This email has everything. And then it says Stefan voice. So I did it. Georgia and Karen, I've submitted before, but I trimmed the fat for y'all. Good. My grandmother passed away in 2019. And as we went through her files and photos, we came across an article that tells of the murder of her parents. Oh, no. Tom, 22, and Joyce, 20. That's how young they were. Of Greer, South Carolina, surprised a robber in their home. Tom was known to have a collection of silver coins that he kept in the house. My grandfather says they also kept stacks of money, but not sure if that's true. They died in a fire set by the robber, possibly after he shot them, but it's unclear exactly how they died. There was a gun fired twice recovered in the fire. The house was burned to the ground and there was so little left of them that they were buried in the same grave. This July, we found the only reminder of them that my grandmother had, two charred watches kept in her bedside table. Mm. My grandmother, Carol, who was three at the time, happened to be staying at her grandparents' house. It's weird to think if she hadn't been with her grandparents that day, I wouldn't have ever been born. Mm -hmm. Apparently, as my grandfather tells it, a man was convicted and hung for the murder and arson. But Tom's brother, the grandfather who was killed, on his deathbed confessed to his nurse that he had done it. Not actually committed the crime, but had tipped off someone that there was money and was in on the robbery, not knowing how badly it would end. Oh, that's horrible. Imagine carrying that for your entire life. Also, it's like you just thought you could make a decision like that and then remain in control of the actual outcome of it. I mean, it's just so naive. I wonder if there's a part of him that like didn't want to get away with it. Like when the guy was hung and he realized it would never come out, just kind of have this like guilt too, that you're never going to be punished for this thing, awful thing you did, you know? Yeah. But then he waited till his deathbed to confess. I mean, he chose to live with it. Totally. It's kind of freaky how much they're able to say in the article. This is all in the article that she found. Oh, wow. Details that you wouldn't ever read in that kind of article today. My grandmother was the most loving and selfless woman and my pen pal. She worked at a home for the elderly most of her life, always giving of her time and love. I think she's a beautiful testament to the fact that people with tragedy in their lives don't have to go on to have hateful, twisted futures. Stay sexy and maybe use a bank? Question mark. Allison. Wow. 
just kicking it off with a bang. Here we go. That's just so heavy to have a family history like that, but then your connection to it is of this kind of miracle child survivor. Totally. It's just such a... And sorry, did you say at the beginning that Allison and her family didn't know until they found that article? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so very, very old school of, oh, we'll take this burden ourselves and just never speak of it. Right. Keep it to ourselves. Oh, that's just, yeah, so sad. All right. The subject line of this email is my mafia princess grandma and her serial killer dad. Okay, we are. (laughs) This is a (laughs) heavy hitter. Boom. Hi, friends. Longtime listener, first time writer. You all asked for mafia stories, and I'm sure I have the best one. So here's the story of my mafia princess grandma and her escape from the mafia slash feds. Wow. For the safety of my family, I'm going to change the names, very smart, of the people and leave out the cities just in case the mob or the feds listen to your podcast. (laughs) What if we have one of each? The feds do listen to our podcast. Remember those um, FBI agents that came to our show in Maryland? Thrilling. Did you also know that Vince's niece is in the FBI? Whoa. Yeah. That's very cool. It's very cool. Oh, the feds. Okay. Mm. My grandmother, we'll call her Marie, grew up in a big city up north. Her parents had come straight from Italy to America in the 20s. Marie's dad, we'll call him Sal, worked on the docks. That's in quotes. But we would later find out that that meant he was taking people on long walks down short piers and giving them cement shoes. That's right. My great grandpa was a highly ranked hitman for the mob. My grandma tells stories of being showered in gifts and jewelry every birthday as a little girl. (laughs) Jewelry for a little girl. Yeah, right. (sighs) Riding in the fanciest cars and going to big parties with the same group of Italian families and having a big group of uncles. She said certain uncles and their families would suddenly stop showing up to events. She wasn't allowed to question it or she would get in trouble. When Marie was in her late teens, she met my grandpa, Vinny. Fast forward to the 70s, they fell in love, had four kids, and a house of their own. Vinny didn't get involved with the maid men, mainly because he was half Irish. <laughs> this is, if she's retelling us good fellows in a I'm kind of a seriously. broken up way, it's like, God damn it. We have to remind the listener, please don't yeah. retell us famous <laughs> Scorsese movies. <laughs> okay. But he was still engulfed in the lifestyle because they all lived in the same neighborhood. Grandpa tells us stories of the mafia Don during his time and how he was one of the nicest guys. The Don would always keep a pocket full of candy so he could give a piece to the children when he saw them. He was not to be fucked with, but reigned peacefully for over two decades. Oh, that's, I guess, good. You're allowed to do that when you're like the boss, right? You don't have to be the mean guy. You got a bunch of people to do that for you. You can trick people into thinking you're reigning peacefully while people are down on the pier. Exactly. Well, why are we talking shit about the mafia? Like, I don't what know. are we doing? I didn't mean that in a negative way. We don't have anything to say about the work or the jobs that you <laughs> fellas do. You're good fellas. In the early 80s, the new generation of made men decided he was too nice and the Don was murdered during an uprising. That's how they oh. always get them. There you go. It's like being a grammar school teacher. You can't start nice and get mean, as my sister says. This is where it all goes downhill for us. A new Don took over. We'll call him Polly. Let's call him Polly. (laughs) Just blending between the Godfather, Goodfellas, and the Sopranos. (laughs) 
A new Don took over, and believe it or not, he lived right across the street from my grandparents. My mom doesn't remember much because she was only nine years old, but she did confirm this story. Polly had a short-lived reign because he was blown up by a bomb in his home. Holy shit. Now we're getting some Miller's Crossing in here a little bit. <laughs> yes, the home across the street from my family. My grandpa's old and usually drunk every time I see him. <laughs> well, oh my God. <laughs> Let's not judge. My grandpa's old and usually drunk every time I see him, but he's told me this story a hundred times and I choose to believe it. Polly came home and placed his key in the door. The key triggered a bomb that caused the house to explode. The explosion was so strong, his belt buckle was lodged into my family's front door across the street. Holy shit. I'm not saying that this person is exaggerating, but that sounds like the kind of detail my father would add for fun. After the fact, non-factually based. That's a good one, though. Like, you need to know how big it is. And so that's a great way to describe it. Within a few months, my great-grandpa Sal was murdered and one of the long-term members began snitching on everyone. This part of the story isn't clear because my family doesn't talk about it too much. Well, then just go watch Goodfellas. It's very clear in that. (laughs) All I know is Marie and Vinny (laughs) packed up my mom and her siblings to move south, now we're in my cousin Vinny territory, and now I'm an Italian Southern girl who can't wait to hear my grandparents' next story. My grandma always said Italians were made for the mafia because we perfected cleaning tomato sauce stains, and it helped us to learn to clean up blood. Damn! Damn. Stay sexy and don't get involved with the mafia. Also, does this mean my great-grandpa is considered a serial killer? Thanks for taking the time to read this. I hope it was as entertaining as my Christmas gift gatherings are jay she her okay can i please come to your next family gathering could you please imagine can you imagine bada bing bada boom wish i was just a little italian you know just for those weddings and also just for like gesture the amount of hand gestures and passion in like talking about a parking spot like i love it's high level living the best food the loudest screaming yes. the best looking men it's my cousin vinny hey it's my cousin vinny oh hey georgia have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant like perfectly scrambled eggs oh my god yes karen and then all i want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day well you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. 
Okay, here's a question for you. What do ice, cat litter, and laundry detergent all have in common? If you said they're heavy AF, you're right. Or if you said you don't know you're out of them until it's too late, you're also correct. Most importantly, these items can all be ordered directly to your house with DoorDash. At this point, we all know and love that DoorDash can deliver our go-to comfort meals from our favorite restaurants. But did you know that you can also order household cleaning essentials and even over-the-counter pharmaceutical products through DoorDash? That's right. DoorDash is here to help you in a pinch. Like the 30 minutes before you host a party when you look around and feel like you're missing something, quickly get extra decorations, scented candles, or beer and wine delivered right to your door. Or the day after the party when you realize you don't have enough garbage bags, wet wipes, or ibuprofen to make it through cleanup. DoorDash has you covered. DoorDash is perfect for my parties because every single time we don't get enough ice. Everyone always needs ice and they forget it. And running to the store when your party's about to start or when it's already started or in the middle of it is a nightmare. So having DoorDash drop off some ice or party supplies or whatever you need is so awesome. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Must be 21 or older to order alcohol. Drink responsibly. Alcohol available only in select markets. Goodbye. Here's a night out speaking. Wait, you know what? I'm not going to tell you. This is a night out. Okay. Hey, lovely ladies and the MFM team and four-legged friends. <laughs> My name is Russell, he, him, and I'm a first-time submitter and about a year in listener. I've been following the podcast since my partner April got me into it when we first started dating. So shout out to her. She's a long-time listener compared to me. I just wanted to share a quick story about a night out I had whilst I was in Tokyo, Japan, about a decade ago. It was mentioned a few times on MFN Minisode for mob stories, so I guess this technically counts. Ooh, psychic theme. This took place around 2014 when I was in Japan. I was out in the evening exploring the nightlife in Ginza, Tokyo, when I stumbled down an alleyway with some great izakaya restaurants. I started from one place and ended up at another and so forth. When I got to the third izakaya restaurant, I was seated next to a few businessmen in suits that were drinking and having a great time together. They noticed that I was a foreigner and started to engage with me. My Japanese isn't the best, but it's enough to hold a conversation, but their English was 100% on point. So we continued the conversation in that language. We had a conversation about travel, Japan, food, and drinking, which made the night so much more interesting. I thought they were such kind and lovely people to talk to that I wanted to get the tab at the end for our drinks and food to which they declined and insisted on taking up the tab themselves. Classy. Once finished in one restaurant, we would move on to the next, and each time at the end, I insisted on paying to which each time they declined. It was getting late into the night, so I decided to call it an early one and said sayonara and thank them for being such hospitable hosts. They thanked me, and as we were leaving the alleyway, we walked onto the main strip, and there it was, 10 black cars waiting for them. What? I was stunned at first, and then one of the businessmen said to me, you're a good kid, stay out of trouble, put his hand on my face, gave it a few taps, and then proceeded to head for one of the cars. Each of the men had their own car and had what looked to be bodyguards open the door for them. Hot. In some cars, there were some women also waiting for them, inviting them in to keep the party going. Do we know where this is going? To a Yakuza party? Well, you wish. (laughs) I do wish. (laughs) At first, I thought nothing of it. But after sharing this story with one of my host family members, they immediately said, oh, those were some Yakuza men. 
Yes. You got it right. But there's no, unfortunately, there's no after party. Oh, okay. I think that the amount of time they spent with the Yakuza seemed like plenty. It does. It's enough. At which point I was shocked. I then started to play the night back in my head. And there were some red flags here and there. As when I asked them what they did for work, they were hesitant to answer as well as not looking to share about their personal lives, Mm -hmm. which I thought was normal when meeting a stranger. (laughs) It is when you're not in the mob. (laughs) I like the idea that they just ran into some businessmen with really healthy boundaries where they're like, that's kind of none of your business right now. (laughs) Let's just keep it to the food and drink. Right. Then when it was all adding up with the suits, the generosity of them picking up the bill always, the women, the black cars and bodyguards, that it all pieced together. What an experience to have abroad. And shout out to them for being gentlemen. Yeah. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this little story and thank you for your time. Love your work. Stay amazing. And much love from (laughs) Melbourne, Australia. Hey. Hope you visit us once again. All the best, Russell. Russell. Like, first of all, I have a hunch that Russell is a charmer Mm. because how did you figure out how to get 10 Yakuza to want to hang out with you? Yeah. I've seen the movies. These are not overly friendly people unless all the movies are just like negative generalizations, but I wouldn't have imagined the any sort of mafia is like, let's open this party up to tourists. Not rude, but not super social. No, they're kind of elite. They're just like, we have a lot of money. We have a lot of power. I wonder if sometimes they're like, let's give a foreigner a story to take home. I would love to just meet some Yakuza. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'd get on the back of a fucking Yakuza motorcycle. It seems as you started describing this, I was like, this is so sexy. Like Yakuza Friends. That's the new TV show. Oh, Yakuza Friends. Yakuza yeah. Friends. You could be like roommates, but then there's also like there's shootouts in the rain yeah. with neon lights. Friends plus Yakuza. It's like a <laughs> Friends fucking, what is it called? Spin-off. Spin-off. Thank you. Okay, ready? Hmm. Am I ready is the question. Stop asking me questions. Okay. This one is a hometown reminder to lock your fucking doors. Mm. And then it says, hi, everyone at ER Media. Love it. George Clooney. Oh. Anthony. Anthony <laughs> Edwards. Everyone at ER Media. I've been meaning to write this story in for several years now, but I never got around to it. I relate to that. My family is from a suburb about 20 minutes outside of Boston. I'm the third of four daughters. Our parents had us in a five-year span. I'm not really sure how they did it. (laughs) I can give you one hint. (laughs) They really, really liked each other. Our mom is an emergency room nurse practitioner, and our dad is now a retired detective. Nice combo. Wow. You just, yeah, what a childhood. They'd rotate day and night shifts until our older sister, A, (laughs) was about eight and deemed responsible enough to watch the rest of us. Eight. Have you been seeing these memes lately that are like, if you're the oldest sister, like, congratulations on your first children, your siblings. It's like, (laughs) yes, yeah. All the different ways the oldest sister is fully traumatized and damaged and used it as coping skills and is now like getting her life. When my sisters and I were all slightly older, high school and college, our parents would take well-earned weekends to the Cape, leaving us to watch the house. A immediately took these opportunities to stay the weekend with her boyfriend. One of these weekends, my next oldest sister, H, and I went to a party, and our youngest sister, S, being the sweet baby angel that she is, picked us up as our designated driver. When we got home, she put H to bed in our parents' room at the top of the stairs. So there she went and got her drunk sisters. Got it. 
at the top of the stairs and tucked me in on the couch in the living room right next to the slider that leads into the backyard. S then put herself to sleep in the spare, put herself to sleep, <laughs> put herself down in the spare bedroom off the living room, wanting to stay near me in case I got sick. And then in parentheses, it says she followed in our mom's footsteps and is an RN now. Oh, right. In the morning, I woke up to the slider wide open and proceeded to wake my two sisters up asking if they'd accidentally left the door open. Both denied it and asked if I was feeling okay since I got sick in the night. I asked them what they meant because I hadn't gotten sick or even left the couch. This is when they both explained that in the middle of the night, S saw a figure who she assumed was me crawling up the stairs. Don't crawl. Oh. Please don't crawl. Oh. Oh. Please don't crawl. Oh, no. Okay, go on. Go on. This is a Japanese horror movie. Jesus For Christ. real. H confirmed this because when the figure got to the top of the stairs, our parents' bedroom door was slowly opened. H saw who she assumed was me on all fours at the entrance of the bedroom. She asked if I was all right and said that I didn't respond and just slowly shut the door. Stop doing things slowly. Can we just like agree not to do things slowly? A thousand percent. Yeah. Like. A regular crawl up the stairs and you could kind of kick it in the face if it got yeah. up and you realized it wasn't a familiar body. But the slowness just freezes you into what is happening. Totally. Oh, my God. Okay. So in all caps with a period after each word, what the fuck? Mm, agreed. Panic, right? Panic ensued as it dawned on my sisters that I had not been crawling around the house the night before. Had H been the only one to witness this, I probably would have written it off as drunk hallucinations. But the fact that S was sober as a judge and saw this person too confirmed that someone had been in our house. When our parents came home, we told them what happened, and my dad said something along the lines of, yeah, the Manson family used to do that. They called it creepy crawling. Anyway, you need to remember to lock the doors. Well, that's like the smartest way to scare your children into doing something. Scare them before you leave for the cape, please. <laughs> scare them before they're alone. Creepy crawly. The creepy crawlies. I hate it. Thinking about it still creeps me out to this day, knowing someone opened the slider and walk crawled by me sleeping on the couch, passed S in the spare bedroom, made their way up to H just to watch us all sleep. Gives me chills. Yeah. We're so lucky that this person did not physically harm us. Stay sexy and lock your fucking doors. And that's, there's no name attached. You know what it sounds like to me, just maybe to make myself feel better when I go to bed tonight, is that like like an adolescent boy who just like kind of was breaking into, you know, just like liked to see how people lived, let's say. Or yeah, like loved girls. architecture, loved interior decoration, <laughs> just wanted to get in there and inspect that carpet. Definitely, definitely. <sighs> just wanted to make sure they were still breathing at night. Girls, good, good. You good? You need water? <laughs> Creepy crawly. There's no innocent crawling as an adult. Sorry, no. maybe that's judgmental. <laughs> no, no, that's true. These all sound so far like they could be movies. Yeah. Like every one of these. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. 
Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Okay, here's my last one. Okay. Great Depression, Mountain Doctor, Meet Cute, and Old Timey Names. Hi, gals. I apologize for all the details, but I promise it's all worth it. <laughs> it's a story. Details. It's a story. Exactly. You got to. <laughs> you got to have them. Please. My great grandfather, Lindsay Garrett Fitzpatrick, Lindsay, old timey man's name. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Was born in 1917 in the hills of Virginia, where he was one of nine. His family struggled to find work, to feed the children and themselves, and made the difficult decision to move to Michigan, where there were more factory jobs. However, there was one catch. Only the five youngest children would be going, leaving four of the oldest boys, my great-grandfather included, to survive on their own in Virginia. Mm-hmm. He was nine years old. No. This is the fucking 20s, I think, 1920s. That's what you just did. Do they say the age range of these four boys? He was one of nine, it just says. They're the four oldest. Four oldest, but do we know if he's the youngest of those four or what? We don't. We don't. Please tell me he's not the oldest. That's, I guess, what I'm looking for. Oh, my God. (laughs) Lindsay and his brothers would steal chickens and vegetables from people's farms as they tried to make their way up to Michigan. They're like, "Uh, well, I guess we'll make our own way. Via train cars. What? They would illegally jump onto, not passenger trains, cargo trains. Another fucking movie. Yes. Here we go. That's like the Boxcar Children. It's a a wonderful, popular children's book series where it's almost this exact same thing. Orphans taking care of themselves and living out of a train car. Yeah. Eventually, they made their way to Kentucky. It sounds like they just stopped. Like, Kentucky. That's as far as we're going. They're like, it's too hard to make, to migrate across America by ourselves. (laughs) When you're nine. Yeah. My great-grandmother, Virginia Catherine, was born in the hills of Kentucky, where her mother remarried to a wonderful man who was a mountain doctor. For a lot of residents in the hills, they were unable to get to proper medical care or able to afford it, so they would call her stepfather, where he accepted traditional payment and untraditional in the form of flour, rice, or handiwork. Mm. I mean, this is a story. Yeah. It's a good thing there's details. <laughs> I'm what I'm loving in this story is the details. It really makes it. It really makes it. Mm-hmm. One day around 1930, my great grandfather Lindsay sliced his heel nearly clean off oh. in Kentucky. It says because, of course, he had no shoes. And where did his brothers carry him to? Across the river to my great grandmother's home. Cue the meat cute. Oh. We don't have many details of their first encounter, but we do know that they hit it off and eventually got married and had four children, their youngest daughter being my grandmother. I was incredibly lucky to have 10 amazing years with my great grandpa before he passed away in 2003. Wow. Unfortunately, my great grandma passed before I was born, but everyone who knew her said she was an absolute treat. I have fond memories of my papa, as we called him, sitting on his front porch swing, chain smoking his Marlboros. And then it says never inhaling, though, as he would tell you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyways, thank you for bringing me company during some of the best and worst days. SSDGM, Marisa, she, her. Marisa, I loved that story. And I really want to know, like, detail beat by beat of, like, how did they get even out of the city limits, much less all the way to Kentucky. Yeah, and then what happened in Kentucky? Did they just raise themselves? Like, Yeah, how did they stop? Or did they? Did some adult go, hey, hold on, you guys. How about you stay here instead? Right. And like... Here's some farm oh. work. Just like live here, please. God damn it. Stop being feral children. <laughs> please, God damn it. <laughs> but also, and I'm sorry, because this is even more compelling to me. Show me the angle, like that you're slicing your heel <gasps> because you would hit bone, like you would have to do it so specifically. Yeah, it's like when you cut the tip of your thumb off and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Bring me your last story, your last movie pitch. This is my last movie pitch. I'm not going to read you the, sh- the subject line. Hi, folks, both on and behind the mics. Nice. Love Inclusive. It. Loving. In Minisode 352, you spoke about those horrifying realizations you have when you realize everyone did completely nuts things back in the day and thought it was totally okay. And that triggered a buried memory from when I was a kid in the 90s. I was about six or seven, so 93 or 94, and growing up in a town just outside Cambridge in the UK. It was around October, and my mum, Jenny, and I were walking home from primary school. On the hill round the corner from home, I was extremely excited to find a lost wallet. My mum suggested that I should hand it into the police station, so we detoured into the town centre, and I handed the wallet over. We left our names and address. I suppose before there was always a risk that we stole something from the wallet before handing it in and then went our merry way happy to have done a good deed cut to a few days later and a knock at the door just before dinner i answered and looked up to see a complete stranger standing there in the dark with a smile on her face it turns out the police actually told the woman whose wallet it was that it was a little girl who found it and gave her our names and address absolutely nuts in hindsight but at the time (laughs) but at the time i was beyond excited because the lady brought me a and in all caps meter long bar of cadbury's dairy milk chocolate to say thank you damn that is is a a meter alejandra is a meter three feet yeah it's over three feet just over three feet over three feet (gasps) you got a third grader's height of chocolate oh my god it legitimately one of the most exciting things to ever happen to me as a child. Ugh. In addition to jumping at chances for longer walks outdoors, my mom, who I love dearly, mind, was also not very keen on sweets in the house. Oh, so it was like, yes, it was a total jackpot. I had to make that thing last. When I remembered about this, I asked my mom to check I wasn't imagining it. And she said, oh, yeah, in retrospect, that wasn't great, was it? Here's hoping the police aren't giving out children's names and addresses (laughs) to strangers anymore. Thank you for all you do. Your commitment to growth, both professionally and personally, has been wonderful to listen to all these years. Oh, oh, no. amazing. That's really nice. And I think we all needed the laughs along the way, too. I'm getting over a concussion right now, and you're keeping me company while I try to avoid screens. And then it just says, brains, who'd have them? SSDGM, Lucy, she, her. (laughs) Lucy, cute. I thought it was going to be like, she gave me $10. And even though that's like, probably didn't even cost $10, that's like way better for sure. So much better. It's like a cartoon version of chocolate. Like here you get all the chocolate in the world to you, essentially. Yeah. 
Such a good, yeah. so nice. Amazing. Great stories, everyone. You can yes. see this was videoed for the fan cult if you want to see the things that are happening. If you want to see the strangely flat one side of my hair. Can I show you the pink that matches my Ooh, sweater? Yes. Right? Georgia's really, got kind of. some like a magenta E stripe and then, or even more that like a layer underneath, but yeah. hidden tastefully yeah, right? matches her sweater. Get on there. See, I'm a cool grown up. Check out Georgia's whole cool grown up look. <laughs> <laughs> and write to us at my favorite murder at Gmail. And thank you for listening. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Bye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Alejandra Keck. Our editor is Aristotle Acevedo. This episode was mixed by Liana Squalacci. Email your hometowns to myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and on Twitter at myfavemurder. Goodbye. Goodbye.